I'd like to ask for your prayers for our confirmation class. We started retreat on Thursday. Particularly pray for the, all the chaperones and the small group leaders who I think are going to go straight to heaven uh, after spending a whole weekend of their time with these kids. And they're getting to know uh, who Jesus Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is in their lives. You know, as we all know, Jesus was, Jesus was many things to many people. He was a son of his earthly parents. He was a carpenter, a friend, Savior, and Lord. And he was also a rabbi teaching truths through parables, something that we aren't used to today. That's because our vantage point is most decidedly modern and Western. We get our information from cable news, social media, and the internet, which makes us far more interested in facts, the time, the place, the major players, even a picture of a particular event in question. By contrast, people in Jesus' day asked very different questions and learned very differently from us. They weren't interested in the play-by-play and all of those facts that we are so used to in the modern world. No, after hearing a parable or a story, they would ask, What does it mean? What's the moral of the story? How is God communicating with us? The thing about a parable is that depending on the day, one's age, one's social background and life experience, you can read multiple layers of truth and insights from them. In other words, parables are sort of a living thing, if you will. You can turn them over and over in your mind and discover new insights from them along the way. And of course, Jesus was speaking to people in a different time and place. For example, in a largely illiterate world where few books, no internet, no newspapers, no television, no printing presses, most communication was passed simply by word of mouth. You know, I heard a story recently about a learned and holy medieval monk that helps us understand what I'm talking about. The monk was noticeable, notable because of his great intelligence. He read every book in the monastery library, which is a grand total of seven books. And it makes me think about how knowledge was communicated in simpler times. I mean, I own personally hundreds of books and seemingly have an infinite number of sources of information. But again, the people of Jesus' day were part of an oral society and rabbinic storytelling was very important as it was one sure way that people could pass along those higher truths. Stories not only passed the time, but people could chew on them for days and days on end because they weren't interrupted by phone calls and televisions. They would eke out more and more insights. And stories kept their minds lucid and kept them creative in their, uh, bolstered their creativity. But this storytelling practice isn't totally foreign to the American experience, an experiment as we call it. You know, I visited my hometown last week as, with my college roommate and his wife. They decided they'd heard stories about my hometown, but they wanted to see it for themselves. They called it the day, Richard, this is your life. And as I was putting together our itinerary, which is a huge word for a town of 4,000 residents, 
I decided that one of our stops would be the town park to see a memorial right in the middle of that park. It says, there's a, like, it looks like a funeral or a cemetery headstone that says, three white men were hung here for killing Indians. That's it. No dates, no times, no names, no nothing. My older brother Brian, curiously, uh, was curiosity peaked, and he was only in fourth grade. So what did he do? He went to the library. He wanted to know about this, uh, in, these Indians who were killed and these settlers who were hung. And he found next to nothing about it in the library. The presumption was that storytellers would keep the significance of the story circulating and alive. Who would ever forget the gruesome details of this scene? And through old-timers in the town for generations, bits and pieces about a small band of Native Americans that were supposedly massacred by white settlers in 1824 came to light. And the massacre resulted in a high-profile trial and three executions of white settlers right there in my hometown, just 45 minutes away from here in Pendleton. The point is, every human society had oral historians that would keep the memories of a people alive for the gift of storytelling, which is why Jesus used parables to pass along the message of his ministry. Not all the listeners would understand Jesus fully on the first try, but at least they would take home some nuggets or two of wisdom upon which to reflect. While we communicate differently today, we certainly understand points that Jesus are trying to make in, our, in the parables. And there are two parables in our gospel today that are certainly not as complicated as the others. They're pretty straightforward as Jesus' parables go. The first is a story about a farmer who sows seeds. Seed is strewn, rigor, sown and strewn liberally across the land, and it eventually sprouts and grows until it is harvest time. The seeds represent us, while the farmer is God. And it is our job to grow and to produce a good crop for the farmer God, if you will, to harvest through sharing the story of Jesus and his faithful followers whom we call saints in the history of the church. The other parable is similar. It is the tiny mustard seed that is sown into the earth that results and a huge tree that is big enough for birds to roost in. So again, the tiny seed represents us and the followers of Jesus that grow into something great which can provide shelter and safe harbor to the whole of creation. Storytelling is an art that isn't dependent on precise facts then that we are used to. Comedians in our own day are adamant that one should never let a, uh, the facts get in the way of a good story. In our own day, people heard that second parable, they would, horticulturists would say, breaking news, we confirm that in fact the mustard seed is not the smallest. And if one took a vacation to say California, you would know that the mustard tree, by comparison to the giant sequoia trees in California that grow to be so massive that you can drive a car through the middle of it, is certainly not the largest. 
But we get the point that Jesus is trying to make. And we also know that the mustard seed and mustard has a strong flavor, just as Jesus' disciples ought to bring a strong flavor into the society, the flavor, if you will, of Jesus Christ. Again, these stories are straightforward, but there is, a little, there is little ambiguity this week. In the first case, the seed is sown, grows, and is harvested. In the second parable, the smallest seed grows into the biggest and provides food and shelter for others. Interestingly, the seeds are obedient, if you will. They do what they're told. They do what they're created to do by God. It's not complicated, just like the decision to evangelize and be children of God should not be complicated. That is, as baptized and confirmed Catholics, we are to do what we were made for. Our problem, of course, is that we don't like the sound of the word obedience in modern society. We want to do our own thing. We want constantly to go on our own way, indulging ourselves, often doing the comfortable things in life, rather than doing what God wants, rather than doing that in the end what would make us the most happy. It's a myth that we can carve out a large portion of our lives to do what we want with it and be happy. In the end, stewardship is not about 10% or a smaller percentage of our lives that we give to God. Rather, it is about 100% of our lives that belong to God. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church reminds us, Scripture and tradition never cease to teach and celebrate this fundamental truth, that the world was made for the glory of God, not our glory. Creation testifies to that glory, and we, my brothers and sisters, are the pinnacle of God's creation. It is a tremendous, tremendous blessing and gift but it is also a gift that requires our total response to God. So let us give freely and liberally and joyfully, knowing that our mission is why we were created, and it is this mission that will make us the most happy. May we grow then and bear fruit like the parable as do the seeds in the garden.